Your child is a complete person, body, soul, spirit. And as parents, we need to be addressing every dimension of our child's life, including the spiritual dimension. Barbara Rainey says to help shape a child's spiritual identity, we need to introduce them to the God who created them. Helping them understand that God is good and that God has great plans and purposes for you and that He loves you. I mean, what a privilege for a mom and a dad to be able to communicate those wonderful truths about God to your children because it helps them see Him as He really is, but it also helps them begin to feel good about who God made them to be. And that's a part of developing a healthy identity. This is Family Life Today. Our host is Dennis Rainey. I'm Bob Lapine. Helping to shape and mold a child's spiritual identity is one of the great responsibilities and one of the great privileges we have as parents. We'll explore that today. Stay with us. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. So we're talking this week about an aspect of parenting that um, I, I think parents recognize as as we're in the process of raising our kids. We recognize that this is something that is important. I, I just don't know that we that I ever put a label on it. That I am helping to shape my child's identity as they grow, helping them get a sense of self a good understanding of of who they are. Although I have to tell you, and, and there's some parents who are just going to be mortified by this, but when our daughter Amy was born, when she was still a little baby before she could speak, I would take her up in my lap and I would I would talk to her and I would bounce her on my lap and I would say, you are, you're so cute, you know, you're so cute. And then I'd say, you know, you're also depraved. You are totally <laughs> depraved. You're a wicked sinner. And I'd do that as I bounce it. She'd smile and giggle and laugh while I'd talk We should about call it. Amy and find out how that, uh, <laughs> that scarred her for life. <laughs> well, there's a, and I, I got to tell you another story real quick because she likes telling the story. We were driving home from summer camp and she was asking a question about about uh, her her virtue, like her good works. And I don't know how the conversation came along, but the dialogue was that no matter how good her best works were on any day, they would always be tainted with the reality of of sin. Well, somehow in her 11, 12-year-old heart, that was terrible news, <laughs> that that she could never have a good work that would be 100% pure. Pleasing, pleasing right. to God, yeah. And, and she shared this story with some of her friends who think, I, I was a terrible parent for— <laughs> Telling a 12-year-old that their works would always be tainted by sin. I, I thought it was just being biblically accurate as I was raising my kids. But but helping them understand their identity, a, a big part of that is helping them understand their spiritual identity, who they are apart from Christ, who they are in Christ, and how all of that plays out for them. And I'm tempted to run a straw poll. From our listeners about how many think Bob, <laughs> Bob was cruel, was cruel <laughs> by doing that. I don't want to know. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't really want to know either. Here, here's the thing: our identity, who we are, determines what we become. 
I'll, I'll give you an illustration of this. And by the way, we haven't introduced Barbara. Barbara, my bride for now 46 plus years, joins us again on Family Life today. Welcome back. Thanks. Glad to be here as always. It's fun. Great mom of six, grandma of 24. We're in the thick of this thing called next generation right here. Anyway, I was going to tell you a story about what happened to me when I, when I was a senior in high school. I was in a, a magazine subscription contest. We were raising money to go on a senior trip. Mm-hmm. And so the subscriptions back then for uh, Outdoor Life or Time Magazine, all the magazines were only 2 or $3. So it wasn't exactly a big-time ticket item uh, for, for somebody to buy them. But I started off going to this small town called Ozark, Missouri, where I grew up, a town of 1,300 people. And I went door-to-door, and I made a couple of sales. But I, I didn't do quite well, and so I thought this is this is not cutting it. So I'm going to the I'm going to the farmers. I'm going out in the sticks where there's people out there who maybe they've got common sense and they'll buy these magazines <laughs> subscriptions from me. So I started going door to door, and and the first one uh, I, I just happened on it that the lady answered the door and I said hi I'm I'm Dennis Rainey I'm Hook Rainey's son. Oh Hook Rainey's son. Come on in, have some cookies and milk, and what do you got there? Subscriptions. Oh, we'd like two or three of those subscriptions, of course. And uh, I thought, whoa, that was pretty good. I went to the bank on my dad's <laughs> on my dad's brand out in the in the county. It was Christian County, believe yeah, it or not. Yeah. And uh, I set a school record for most number of stuffed animals that I won, <laughs> most subscriptions. And it, it was it was a huge number because of my dad's identity, hmm. Hook Rainey. And by the way, they called him Hook because he had a wicked curveball. It was the only thing wicked about him. Now, Bob, I know you'd say he's still wicked. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Hook Rainey had a name that was as good as gold in the community, lived his whole life there. But I went to the bank on his identity because I was his son. Hmm. Now, here's the deal as you raise your children. First of all, if you've trusted in Christ, you are a child of the king. You have royal blood in your veins as a listener if you know Christ. And as you introduce your children to Jesus Christ and help them begin their spiritual walk with him, they too can be a royal They can be uh, one of the members of the royal family, the king of kings and lord of lords. This thing called spiritual identity, I think, Bob, is one of the most important components of helping our children reach maturity and grow into adulthood that we can possibly give them. And Barbara, the starting place as we help our kids understand their identity is to help them recognize that they are created in God's image, that they are image bearers, that they're different than the bugs and the animals and different than all of the rest of creation, they bear the image of the Almighty. Mm -hmm. And I think in addition to teaching them that they are made like Him, is teaching your children that He made them for a purpose and that it's no accident that you were born into this family and it's no accident that God made you the way He made you. And it's no mistake that He made you tall or He made you fast or whatever. And you can name those characteristics that you've already seen in your child. But helping them understand that God is good and that God has great plans and purposes for you and that He loves you, 
I mean, what a privilege for a mom and a dad to be able to communicate those wonderful truths about God to your children, because it helps them see Him as He really is, but it also helps them begin to feel good about who God made them to be. And that's a part of developing a healthy identity. This is a key assignment of every parent listening to us right now. And by the way, grandparents too. And what you need to do is get your Bible out and take a look at Psalm 78, verses 5 through 8. And I'll not read all of them right now, but I will read you the beginning because it really anchors this point in what God commands us to do with our kids. He says, He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded. Now, that's God here which he commanded our fathers to teach their children, that the generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. And that's four generations listed here. And it it gives a purpose clause that follows, so that they will not be rebellious. They'll know the truth about God, and they'll know the truth about themselves, and they will learn to trust him and obey him as they walk with him. Bill Bright taught me a great deal about this. He wrote a book called Discover His Character, speaking of discovering the the attributes of who God is. And um, I, I think Bill nails it when he gives a list, and this is included in the book, but it just gives you an idea of understanding who God is can help us know how to behave as his children. Listen to this list. Because God is a personal spirit, I will seek fellowship with him. Because God is all-powerful, he can help me with anything. Because God is ever-present, he is always with me. I got to tell you, there were a lot of times in raising our kids when Barbara and I would would just need to get down on our knees next to a a son or daughter who's having a hard day as they're going to bed and say, God's here. He can comfort you. He can be trusted. You can lean into him. Why is that important? Because your child is made in the image of God. He has a body, a soul, and a spirit. And your assignment as a parent This hit me afresh as we were writing this book. Your assignment as a parent is to take your child's hand and place it in the hand of God and introduce your child to who God is and what he came to do to redeem him from his selfishness. When when we talk to a child about the fact that they are image bearers, what is it that they need to know from that? What's at the heart of the fact that I'm different than the animals, and I'm different than the rest of creation. What does it mean that I bear the image of God? Well, we are definitely made above the animals, and I think our kids can see that. But being made like God means that we have intellect. We can make decisions. We have a free will. We can choose to go our way, or we can choose to go God's way. And we have emotions, and we've already talked about that this week on the broadcast, that God has emotions, and we are made like Him and have emotions. One way to think about this is think about the things that we appreciate as human beings. We can watch sunset after sunset. They're all different. We're amazed at the beauty of God's creation. The ocean is enthralling for people, the mountains, the heavens, the stars. When we see those things, we're in awe and we worship. But have you ever seen a bird 
or a dog or a cow in awe about a sunset. They, they see them too. They experience them too, but they don't have the ability because they're not made in God's image to respond to his wonders and to his works like we can as people. So teaching your children those qualities that make them made in the image of God help us understand that God made us that way because he wants us to choose to have a relationship with him. I remember hearing somebody say once, there are no great canine philosophers, <laughs> no no dogs who have thought deeply about <laughs> where did I come from? Mm-hmm. Why am I here? What happens to me when I die? That uh, it, was, it was Dr. Al Mohler who was speaking to the staff here at Family Life, and he said, you know, when animals out on the Serengeti, when one animal preys on another animal— and and finds that it's attacked its prey and it's uh, it's feasting on its prey. None of those animals go. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe <laughs> this this feels wrong. Like, why am I so violent? What's what's going on inside? So we have those feelings yes, and those those thoughts, right. which show that we we're created in the image of God. And helping our kids understand mm-hmm. this helps them understand there's a nobility. Mm-hmm about your humanity that you need to understand God has made you, Psalm 8 says, a little lower than the angels, but you're the pinnacle of of creation. Mm-hmm, exactly. And some of our listeners are getting tired of hearing me quote this, but A.W. Tozier said this, the most important thing about you is what you think about God. Which we can do because we're made in his image. That's right. Exactly. We can understand who God is. And it's, it's beyond comprehension, but we can get to know him. Over our lifetime, we can begin to know God, experience God, which is what I think the psalmist was talking about in Psalm 78. He wants you to pass on your experience of God to your kids. You can teach a lot of truth about God, but one of the most important things, and I'm not saying this is more important than the truth of Scripture about God, but one of the most important things you can pass on to your kids is what he did in your life today at work, how he convicted you of a sin and how you dealt with someone and how you asked for forgiveness and how he was there and how you experienced Jesus Christ in the marketplace at school. I just think, Bob, I think the whole issue of raising kids today is a great challenge for parents to grow in their own faith and realize mm-hmm. that what what they're experiencing of God needs to be real, and they need to be challenged to go deeper so they'll have something to pass on to their kids. Well, it, it's one thing to talk about kids being created in the image of God, but most Christian parents are, are hoping and praying for a, a day of rebirth in the life Mm -hmm. of their child, a day when that child moves from death to life, acknowledges Christ as Savior, and is converted. As parents, that gets a little tricky because I don't know what it was like for you guys, but we had had some kids who expressed uh, their faith in in Christ at a very early age. Mm -hmm. We had other kids who expressed it at an early age and then didn't seem to be living it out as they grew older, we as parents can find ourselves wondering, okay, that prayer they prayed at three, did that do the deal? Did they mean it? This is a tricky thing for us to discern as parents. What is the spiritual identity of our children? How did you guys process that? Well, we had situations very similar to yours as well. We had some of our kids who 
asked at four, you know, I want to know Jesus. And we had been talking about this their whole lives. The kids would ask what happens when we die because they would have a pet die or something. And so we had those conversations as just a part of normal life. And we would tell our children that when we die as people, when your mommy and daddy die, we're going to go to heaven and be with Jesus. And so the natural conclusion for them eventually was, I want to go to heaven with you when I die too. And so we had those conversations and some of our kids prayed and asked Jesus into their heart when they were four, five years old, and then didn't seem as interested for a while too. I think the most important thing is, is that this is just an ongoing conversation like Dennis was saying a minute ago, where you're talking about your relationship with Christ. You're talking about your experience of hearing from God, of learning about Him. Dennis and I just had dinner a couple of nights ago with good friends of ours, and we were talking about the friendship of God and how wonderful it is is to know God as friend. And just explaining that, coming home, if we had had that conversation when we still had children at home, coming home and maybe that night or maybe the next day, say to your kids, you know, we just, Daddy and I just had the best conversation with our friends. We were talking about how wonderful it is that Jesus calls us his friends. Do you know him as your friend? And so I think if talking about God and having a relationship with him is a way of life that you begin when they're tiny, like you did with Amy on your lap, and you continue (laughs) until they leave your home and even beyond— then you can encounter those difficulties along the way. Yes, they may pray when they're four years old, and they may not be so sure when they're 13, but that's okay. All of us went through those times of doubting. But if you are talking about your life and the reality of having a relationship with Christ, your kids are going to want it. They're going to see, see it for what it is, which is a real living relationship. If it's just doctrine that you're teaching, and you only talk about it on Sunday on the way to church, when everybody's yelling at everybody to be quiet (laughs) and we're going to be late, then they might not be as interested. But if you're talking about a real experience with Christ, your kids are going to be interested. Yeah, and as you were talking, Barbara, I was just thinking about some research that George Barna has done recently that indicated that only 20% of parents listed sharing the gospel, and doing everything they could to make sure their son or daughter heard about how to go to heaven and how to have a relationship with God with their children. So 80%. That's not a priority for it's them? Not on, it's not on the radar screen. Wow. So I'm glad we're talking about this, mm-hmm. and I want to underscore what you said, Barbara. Presenting the gospel is not a one and done. Mm-hmm. It's over and over and over again explaining how a person comes into a relationship with God by faith through the sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's alive. He defeated death. And because of that, you can know him right now as a young person. And when we get to heaven, we may find out that our children didn't become Christians when they were five years old. Although Spurgeon did say, a child who knowingly sins can savingly Believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your child may come to faith in later life. You just don't know what circumstances God may put in place to secure that decision with that child. But I do know this it is your responsibility as a parent, as a grandparent, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ 
with every one of your children and grandchildren. We talked about this. I remember this was a couple of decades ago. In the early days of Family Life Today, we did a series on your child coming to faith. In fact, I remember. It, it may sound odd to listen to now 20 plus years later, but this series is online and a listener can go listen to almost three plus hours of conversation around this subject. But Jim Elliff, who we were interviewing, we asked him about recognizing signs of spiritual life in a child. And he said, if my child at any age expresses a desire to want to be a Christian or to give their heart to Jesus or whatever phrase they would use, he said, I'm going to encourage that. I'm going to mm-hmm. celebrate that. I'm going to mm-hmm. cheer that on. I'm going to be so excited about that. But I'm not going to then go to bed and go, well, that's done. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> he exactly. said, what I'm going to be looking for in the life of my child is evidence of transforming grace. Mm-hmm. Do I see something that indicates that God's at work there? Do I see them feeling conviction for sin? Do I see them with a hunger to know God's word? Do I see the things that accompany salvation happening in that child's life? And if I don't, I'm not going to go back to the child and say, well, I don't think you really became a Christian. I'm going to keep evangelizing them. I'm going to keep sharing the gospel with them. And then when they say, well, I think I want to pray that prayer again, I'm going to rejoice that time. It's the continual cycle you're talking about of just over and over again encouraging spiritual impulses in the life of a child and then reminding them when they do sin, when they stumble, of is is there conviction? Do they understand the work of the Holy Spirit? What's going on in their lives? Just evangelism and discipleship over and over again with your kids. And I want to go back to Psalm 78. He said, he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach their children. What is the law all about? The law is all about presenting a standard to children and adults alike to help them realize they're not going to match up to God's perfect right. ideal. They need a Savior. Mm-hmm. Well, guess who he is? It's Christ the Lord. And let me introduce you to him. There's one additional way that I want to make sure our listeners can take advantage of and in securing their children's spiritual identity. And this was something that Barbara was doing constantly with our children. It was bringing great books about Christian heroes, heroes of the faith who lived out their identity on a mission and on purpose. I remember when I was a... um when I was in college, I was a brand new believer. I had grown up going to church all my life. I was in Sunday school and church all my life, and I was very interested in knowing God, but I never heard anyone say how to make that happen. So when I got to college, um, as a sophomore in college, I went to a meeting where I heard people talk about how you become a Christian, that it's not automatic just because you're sitting in a church pew. You have to actually make a decision. And so as I went through that process, I eagerly and very quickly wanted to receive Christ and went through that and did. And I remember in those early days of being a brand new Christian, I could not get enough of reading the Bible, but I also loved reading stories about other believers. And there were two that I read in my college years that just were transformational to me. One of them was The Hiding Place, the story of Corey Ten Boom and her sister Betsy and their experience in Nazi prison camps and how God spoke to them and God showed them things and protected them and guided them. And I thought, I want that kind of relationship with God. I want to see God 
working in my life and doing things for me. I want to experience that too. The other one was a, a, a story about a, a man named who was named at the time Brother Andrew. And Brother Andrew used to smuggle Bibles into communist countries. And he used to pray things like, God, you open the eyes of the blind. I'm going to ask you to close the eyes of the guards so I can get through with my Bibles. And God did that. Well, I was just fascinated. I was amazed. I was in awe. And it was all because I saw in these books a real relationship with Jesus. I saw him working in these people's lives, and I wanted more of that. So when my kids were old enough, I was reading them those books, and I was finding other books like that to read them, because I think our children need more than just the testimony of mom and dad. The testimony of mom and dad and what God's doing in our lives is number one. It's most important. But there will always be a season in our children's lives when they don't want to hear any more from mom and dad. But if you've been reading them stories of other believers, of other missionaries, other faith heroes through the year, they've got those other stories in the back of their minds. If you're introducing them to people for whom Jesus Christ is a real thriving relationship, that gives your children other people to talk to, other people to model, others to emulate in their lives. So using books in the lives of our kids was a really important way for me to help them catch a vision for what God might want to do in their lives and through their lives as they grew up. I think it's time for families to uh, capture the high ground of the family time at dinner. And instead of just having dinner time just happen, put aside the devices, put aside the TV, turn everything off, and get purposeful. How are you going to celebrate who God is and help your kids see how he used other people in a broken world when they lived so that your children will know how to be used by him in the broken world where they live. Yeah, and and there may be some of our listeners who'd like to go back and listen to that vintage podcast that I mentioned, the series we did with Jim Elif on how children come to faith in Christ. You can go to our website at familylifetoday.com and click the link for that podcast, download the episodes and listen to it. Or you can listen online if you'd like. Again, our website is familylifetoday.com. If you are interested in a copy of Dennis and Barbara's book, The Art of Parenting, we're making that available this week to any of you who can help support this ministry with a donation. Go to familylifetoday.com and click the button that says Donate, and you can request your copy of The Art of Parenting. It's our thank you gift when you partner with us to extend the reach of family life, to make it possible for your friends, your neighbors, people in your community, people all around the world to be able to connect to practical, biblical help and hope for their marriage and their family. As you help make that possible, we want to say thank you by sending you a copy of Dennis and Barbara's book, The Art of Parenting. It comes with our thanks for your support of this ministry. And if you're interested in information about The Art of Parenting video series, that's available on our website as well. Go to familylifetoday.com or call us if you have any questions or if you'd like to donate by phone. Our number is 1-800-358-6329. That's 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. Now, tomorrow we're going to talk about the third area of identity that moms and dads need to uh, address with their kids, and that's the one that's most controversial in our day. It's the area of gender identity, sexual identity. 
We'll explore that tomorrow. Hope you can tune in and be with us. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, along with our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you back tomorrow for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas, a crew ministry. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.